Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling on a regional basis at farmers markets or just online and you want to expand your retail distribution, you should look into the courses, webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. Want to learn more about distributors, co-packers, how to handle trade funds? Kitchen to Shelf can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen the number two, shelf.com. I'm Steve Clear, and I'm welcoming as my guest today, Kara Romanek, who is the founder of Mamie's Pies. Mamie's is Kara's passion that's now turned into a large-scale operation. She was a graduate of Bentley University in economics and finance, which no doubt helped her in the food business. But after years in that industry, she felt like a square peg in a round hole. So with a creative mind and more business sense, she knew she was destined for something more, and now Mamie's Pies has sold over one million pocket pies. Kara has appeared on QVC 46 times, and the cherry on top was also being named as one of Oprah's favorites. It's with the combined efforts of Kara's family and her Mamie's family that this dream has now become a reality. Her ultimate vision to bring the homemade taste of New England pies into every home. Hey, as they say, it's as easy as pie. So welcome to the podcast, Kara. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. So glad to be here. You know, it's 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 great to have, you know, we get a lot of the guests who have uh, disparate types of, um, you know, whether it's uh, fancy berries that are being processed from Africa or some new green smoothie has all this stuff in it. It's really nice to be able to talk to someone about a traditional food that has kind of been mm-hmm. brought up to date. And, you know, when you think about pies, everybody kind of, well, yeah, pies, pies, that's that's all great. But you've really sort of built this this business into something different, unique within its category. How did you start mm-hmm. with pies? Were you a baker? Um, You know, as growing up, absolutely, just baking with my mother and learning her mother's recipes. And my mother was really known for her apple pie. And I grew up in New England and she used Macintosh apples just like her mother. So I would bake, you know, with my mom and she would give me the the scraps of the the extra dough and I'd brush them with with cinnamon and sugar and I'd put them in the oven and I'd have strips of crust that I can eat. It was so flaky. It was just really good memories, like you said. You think of pie, the first things you think of is family. You think of it's good memories, it's happiness. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, it's it's such a good, warm feeling. Um, And it was interesting. My daughter was in high school, and she came home from school one day. She was in leadership class, and she's like, Mom, the dance is going to be canceled. We don't have enough money for the DJ. And, (laughs) you know, I've got three kids, single mom, three different schools, I do lots of fundraising for the schools, and it was just really easy. I just said, oh, Kiki, don't worry. I said, we'll bake some of Mamie's pies. Mamie's my mom. I said, we'll just bake some of Mamie's pie, bring them into class, and then have the teacher call me. She can just tell me how many she wants. We'll make them, sell them. You're going to have the dance. Don't worry. So Kiki took the pies into class. The teacher called, and she ordered 120. And I, you know, (laughs) of course, you know, I was like, oh, of course. You know, I said, you know, I'm not a business, and I have one oven. So what I'll do is I'll freeze them, and then the parents can bake them 
um, when they, you know, for the holiday. Sure. And I hung up the phone and I realized, oh my gosh, well, how am I going to freeze 120 pies? I don't have a big freezer. So I called the local grocery store and I told them what I was doing. I said, I'm not a business. I got a box. They're not going to have boxes. I'm going to wrap these pies in tinfoil and little ribbons and, and baking instructions. And I said, could you put them in your freezers? And the, the owner of the store, he had two locations, he put each frozen pie in a milk crate and put them in the back of his freezer <laughs> and stacked the milk crates because I had no boxes. Right. So right. needless to say, the fundraiser was a huge success. We sold all 120 pies. And and I got to thinking, you know, I, I was 51 at the time and I thought, okay, I'm single mom. I've got to figure out my second act. I'd really been a stay-at-home mom for many, many years being involved in the schools, but not working outside the home right? per se. And um, I thought, what, what the heck am I going to do? And I thought, wait a minute. I love my family's pies. These were a big hit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I, I tend to follow my gut. I have a pretty strong gut. I've learned over these years to follow it. Um, right. So I, I took my kind of my own advice and I, I Googled everything, how to design packaging, how to come up with a logo, what kind of, you know, how to rent kitchen space. Um, I could only afford about eight hours a week of kitchen space. And I started to make, and I had a friend of mine come with me and I just started to make my grandmother's and my mother's nine inch pie. And I literally launched a company with one flavor pie, <laughs> apple. And apple. that was just an apple pie. And I went back to that to that um, store owner and I said, hey, remember a year ago, eight months ago, you did a, you helped me out with a fundraiser. I said, well, now I'm a business and now I wanna put my pies in your store. And he was wonderful. He's like, well, um, I will help you out. You gotta get UPCs, you gotta do all this stuff. And that's what I did. And <laughs> I started, get, I got the pies into about 25 to 35 stores in Northern California. And in the meantime, I quickly realized Yikes, I need money. Um, so I sold my house. I had a little bit left in my retirement account. And I moved my kids and I into um, a two-bedroom apartment and, and shared a, a bed with my teenage daughter for two years and started Mamie's Pies. And, and, and folks, by the way, uh, please don't do this at home. Uh, you know, after Kara is a professional and knows that if she sold her house and drained her 401k, that everything's going to be fine. Um, but no, but that's, that's, that's what we call, you know, that's what we call a commitment. And, and I think, and, and, and uh, it's probably going back, well, it's going back probably five years, I think, when I first tasted your pies at a Chamber mm -hmm. of Commerce mixer, right, in San Rafael. <laughs> but they were full-size pies still at that point? Or had you changed? Yes. Okay. No, nope, full size. So what what then brought you from what we think of a traditional 12-inch or 14-inch pie to pocket pies and what is a pocket pie? Yeah. Well, you know what? I have to – it's all because of customers. I cannot take credit for um, coming up with pocket pie out of the blue. I think the most important thing you can do is really know your customer. And I knew – that the customers in these specialty grocery stores love my nine inch pies. So I would do tasting demos. And now after the holiday, I'd be in the stores at a four hour demo and um, it's, you know, March and customers would come up to the, my table and say, I absolutely love your pie. We bought them for the holidays when the family was in town, but now everybody's gone. It's just my husband and I. I'd really like something smaller. Can you make something smaller? And it's my first, my knee jerk reaction was, 
oh gosh, I don't like little pies. There's a pie tin and a fork and it's more than a serving and it's too much crust to filling. And, you know, it just wasn't computing with me. And then I would have somebody else say the same thing. And it got to be a pattern. So I thought, okay, I gotta, I also quickly realized it's a seasonal business. So I needed to figure out a way to make the seasonal business a year round business. And I just got online. I started to Google, you know, little pies and I came up with pocket pies and they're kind of what you would find online is like an empanada, you know, it's just sure. a fold over and yep. crimped and we've all seen those. And then little circles with scalloped edges. I've seen those around. Um, and then I, so I found these molds, these little plastic hand molds that I found online in the shape of apples and blueberries and pumpkins. <laughs> and I, it, the light bulb just went off and it was like, Oh my God, I I've got my idea. And I bought every single um, little hand mold that I could find because they were plastic and they would break. And I brought them into the kitchen and I started to make pocket pies. And I just I I knew in my gut this was it. Like this this is what's going to take a nine inch pie seasonal business and make it year round because I truly believe and through customers that you don't stop liking pie in January. You know, right. just because the holiday is over doesn't mean you don't like pie anymore. We're just so conditioned that pie is nine inch pie. And who wants that sitting on their counter? Right. You know, you're going to be right. you'll end up eating the whole thing. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, the pocket pie makes perfect sense. The fact that I do frozen and unbaked makes perfect sense because they're great in the freezer. You just pop them in the oven right. and you have a slice of pie whenever you want. Yeah, it helps. so that's how I came up with the pocket pie. Helps with your use by date and and everything else, right? Because it's it's yeah. Yeah, frozen. So, all right, so so you you you're at the point where you have some distribution in retail with your pies. Did you go mm -hmm. back to them and say, okay, no more nine inch pies. We're going to go to these smaller ones, or how how did you engineer that transition? Yeah, that was that was really interesting. I I think because of the category itself, frozen desserts it's not a very well-traveled door in the grocery store. Yeah. So any kind of innovation that these independents, and they have more control, they make the decisions right at the store level. Um, any innovation in that category is welcome. And so I continued the nine inch pie because that's what people knew. And I came up with the pocket pie and I initially put them in a box of four and called the stores and they loved the idea. We put them in there, a box of four right beside the big pies. And it was crickets, nothing, it, not, it never moved. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why isn't it moving? This is the best idea, you know, customers wanted this. Uh, yeah. And I realized it wasn't the product, it was how I packaged it. It was how I presented it and it was price point. And so I knew that I could, these pocket pies, the perfect price point was 399. But if you put them in a box of four, you're up at 14, $15. Right. And oh, and then I used a box with a picture, not the actual pie. So I realized when you a customer sees a $14 item in the freezer and something they can't see, you know, <laughs> it's just a picture. And so I quickly I called the stores and I said I got an idea and I took a piece of chipboard, I folded it, I made it into a pocket, I took some some plastic wrap just kind of figuring out what to do and I made them individual. And instead of putting them in a box, I figured, my gosh, it's the shape. The shape is going to get people to look at it 
and to to buy it because they can't taste it until they try it. A single serving at you can buy one and you get to see what the product looks like. There isn't a a picture on the cover that doesn't quite look like always yeah. look like what's inside. Yes. And, and you know and and I really figured out that that transparency is what's so important. And so I called all those stores and I said, "You know those box of four pocket pies that I put in all your stores?" I said, "I'm going to take those back and I'm going to replace them with individually packaged pocket pies." And that's when it took off. And they were all so excited. I put it in the freezer case. I had apple and I had um, strawberry and then I came out with pumpkin and the pumpkin shaped like a pumpkin, the apples like an apple. And (laughs) and then they started to sell. And it was like, okay, now I got step one done. I figured out packaging. I figured out the product and customers are responding. And and you have the the price point that obviously you, you start turns. So at it, it, yes. that point, Kara, now, it, again, a lot of the growth and stuff of Mamie's Pies has come out, outside retail, uh, e-commerce, yes. direct-to-consumer, and even television, some other stuff. Would, how did you make that tra- – was that a purposeful transition or was that something where you were also selling on e-commerce and it sort of just took off more in the e-com sector? No. Actually, it was, it was very – it was um... – it was purposeful in terms of, okay, I got a great product. Okay, I'm in Northern California. You're not going to earn a, make a living selling to just a handful of independents in Northern California. You've got to figure out how to do this on a larger scale, but you also have to figure out back to you know consumers, what's the response outside of Northern California? You know, I am a New Englander. I'm from New England, and these are New England pies, but I'm making them and selling them in California. So I, d- I decided to, to follow my gut again and take a bit of a chance, and I did the fancy food show. Now, I had no money to do a booth. I did not have thousands and thousands of dollars. So there was a marketing group locally that had an – it's called Savor California, and they yes. had an island of booths at yep. the show, and they do about 30 to 40 California manufacturers. And um, I had a four-foot – by two foot table with nothing higher than 15 inches off the top of the table. And I, you know, put my apron on and I set up (laughs) my uh, pocket pies. And I, at that time I still had my big pies and I knew that at that point I was going to get the response that I was, you know, predicting, or I was going to get something very different and that would make, you know, factor into what my next decision would be. Sure. And at that show, Remember, it's a four foot by two foot table. I did not have a booth. And at that show, Oprah's team found me, QVC found me, Safeway, um, Stonewall Kitchen. They all found Mamie's Pies. (laughs) And what they loved was the pocket pie. And I I thought right then and there, it's like, okay, Oprah's team sees everything everywhere. They're always looking for the newest Right. You know, greatest thing. QVC, same thing. They're always looking. Um, and then Safeway Albertson, it was the specialty buyer uh, who'd been with Safeway Albertson for decades. And he's the, the guy that goes around and finds new products. And he's, he absolutely loved them. Um, and I got a call uh, from all of them. QVC called. Uh, QVC representatives called um, when I got home. And they wanted me. They wanted to talk to me about getting my pies, um, pocket pies on air. And then Oprah's team called and said, 
hey, we want to make you Oprah's favorite. And then um, Safeway called and said, we know you're not retail ready. We know you don't have co-packing, but we're going to watch. And when you're ready, we're going to let you know. We're going to keep in touch. And so that all of that combined with my gut and what I knew these pocket pies could do, um, I decided to scale the business. And Oprah's team was pretty integral in my decision because they said that I'll, I'll bet. if if we name you Oprah's favorite, you need if we if we're able to, you know if we do this, you have to be available online. And I wasn't. I had just been really focusing ah. on the grocery store. Okay. Basically delivering out of the back of my SUV. Yep. So it was Oprah's team that led me to e-commerce. Wow. And that, and that's yeah. a heck of a way to, to, to get there. <laughs> uh, um, it is. It ama- is. Amazing things happen when you get named Oprah's favorite. So, you know, it's that, that works out. Um, and same thing. So when the QVC people talk to you, Kara, you know, did you have any idea what kind of volume, you know, a QVC appearance <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, I had an idea, but nothing specific. Yeah. And when I started to dig deeper into it, I, you know, there's a lot of risk there. There's a ton of risk. You, you know, if they, if you get through everything and they want to put your product on air and they usually like, like like the founder on air too, um, and you have to go through training and then, you know, they want you to have product on site. Um, a couple weeks before you go on air and the shows it's a it's a big volume undertaking your potential customer base is 110 million consumers and you know you can be on air for eight minutes and sell 30,000 pocket pies and the product has to be on site so can you can you imagine not having any not the business has only been Northern California grocery stores and nine inch pies, basically. Right. To, okay, you know, you need a co packer. And if you, you get a co packer and you got to get 30,000 pocket pies all set. And then you go on air. And by the way, we only pay you for what you sell. So it was a massive undertaking. And, you know, when, when Oprah's team said, you know, you need to be available. And then QVC said, hey, let's, let's dig into this and, and see if this is something that's going to work out. Um, and then Safeway Albertson. And so I, I decided um, I was going to take the next, you know, X number of months and I was going to find a co-packer, which I know is an incredibly daunting undertaking because I went yes. through it and called hundreds. And, you know, if, if the co-packer isn't the right fit, nothing works. You know, your product has to be what you make and it has to be what they have to make it the way you make it. And so it's a very big undertaking. So I found a co-packer in Maine who specializes in frozen unbaked pastry crust, who was so willing to work with, with me oh, to adjust line, all of that. So I was extremely thankful. And I'm a New Englander, and these are New England pies. So it made perfect sense to make it in New England. Yep. And then I took the next two years um, really building out an e-commerce platform. And I found that to be um, so incredibly por- important. Um, we built out, we built our, our Shopify site. We um, sold, we sell on on Amazon. We sell on QVC.com and on Air and Zulily and Stonewall Kitchen. So we built out this really great e-commerce platform. 
And that, that I think was one of the most important things that I've done for the business and to that point. So, I mean, besides the, one of the obvious, um, advantages is it, it keeps you at that point very close to your consumer, to your, your target audience, because they are dealing directly or making the purchase directly. Um, but does it also help out from a sense of you can extract a little better margins from e-commerce oh. <laughs> than you can from, from retail? Yeah. And you know, in every e-commerce partner, we have different margins. Um, but your margins in e-commerce are so much better than grocery. Um, especially once you get into co-packing and brokers and all of that. So to be able to, to set a foundation in e-commerce, know your customers, you know, right. you don't have to worry about being on a store shelf and not being seen or getting bad placement or having to run promos, it, you know, on the store shelf, you can go you can cut out, cut out that middleman and go right to your consumer. And to do that for two years, you really get to know who she is and, and who he is and what they're looking for and, and what they like. And it, 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 it's wonderful also to get, I get voicemails all the time from QVC customers and all different, you know, customers from our Shopify site. And it's it, that connection with your customer is gold. It is, it, right. I think it's the best thing that you can do hands down and, and laying that really strong foundation in e-commerce and it doesn't have to be you know strong foundation doesn't necessarily mean out of the gate you know you're making a million dollars it can mean really getting to know your customer building a strong foundation so that any e-commerce partner that you want to partner with you can onboard them pretty seamlessly because you've built out this platform you've got your fulfillment centers you know working you know how that you know, work, you know what your what what your costs are. It's just it's such a great proving ground, I think, you know, more than anything else. And then as you grow and your margins are much better through e commerce, you know, you start to make some money. Um right, for because sure. you know your next step is grocery. Right. <laughs> now now in, in, in that in that sense, Kara, you you've obviously expanded flavors from obvious just apple and pumpkin. The the consumer interaction help you choose some of those flavors as well. Yes, yes, actually they did. You know, I when you just have apple and and strawberry and then pumpkin and pumpkin was just seasonally, so I really only had two flavors. And the feedback I got from those independents in Northern California was, you know, we really need to have three or four flavors to make a, a great you know, offering and branding right. on a shelf, you know, you really need to see that. And so I went right out to my customers and I was able to say, you know, <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking of? And it was funny because Oprah's team is the one that asked for cherry and I quickly created a cherry for them. And it was a, and it was a flavor that it's kind of a staple. You need to have a nice tart cherry pie. It's right. a classic. Yeah along with your apple, you know, I mean, it, you have to have that. And then, um, adding in the peach was actually, um, David Venable, the, uh, host, one of the, the hosts for QVC. And sure. David said, you know, I would love to have a peach pie. He's a South, he's from right. You're South. in Atlanta, you're in Atlanta, right? So yeah. oh, gosh. Well, he just loves, loves peach pie. And so I thought, okay, I am going to make my peach pie. And I had had other customers saying, when's the peach coming? When's the peach coming? And I, I and then it just confirmed it. Okay. Peach is our next flavor. We've got and, it. and then being a new Englander 
and loving wild Maine blueberries, um, I knew that had to be in there too. So, you know, we've got six flavors and um, the feedback that I'm getting constantly is what's your next flavor? And I don't want to, I don't want to come out with um, a new flavor till next year. You know, we're just getting into grocery now. Right. And some stores are taking three flavors. Some stores are taking four. Some are taking five. So, I, you know, they still have new ones that they can bring in. So it's still my six flavors will still be new with all my retailers. With, with most of the retail. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And that, that really works. So, so Kara, from the success in e-commerce. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, you decided to take, you know, another run a bigger run or whatever at retail. How did you approach that? Did you say, okay, I'm going to move from Northern California, Southern California, or just say, I'm going to try to go with the stores that, you know, more match my audience profile. How'd you work that out? Well, that working it out is a really good term because it's, it's a puzzle and you have to work it out. And we, initially thought, okay, we're just going to bring on this broker and, you know, work with this broker. And it, it went nowhere. And what I learned from that was if you just have one broker, it's for one, you know, one region, it's one person, you don't necessarily have that, you know, the total industry knowledge that you have, you that that overarching view that I needed. That's what I was looking for. I wanted somebody to 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 work with that would say, okay, this is the lay of the land nationwide. This is this is the best way for an emerging brand to expand nationally and do it smart. And so I I was looking for that, and I actually um, had another entrepreneur tell me that she had gone the in-house route. She brought a sales team in-house and she was deciding in-house or outside. And what happened was they spent a lot of money on a few people to bring in-house and still didn't get that overarching view of the land, you know, the, the, the grocery um, landscape that they were looking for. And they stayed with that for too long. And then they went to outside sales. And she said that if she had to do it again, she would choose an outside team and she referred me to her team that she had chosen. And it was um, CA Fortune as the broker. But what CA Fortune did is they brought in um, a group. It's one. It's an arm of CA Fortune and it's called Build. Build. And Build's, yeah, and Build's job is to bring in emerging brands and get them retail ready. And it made perfect sense to me when I met with them. Um, they will only work with them, you know, really work with emerging brands and they're getting you ready from, you know, your packaging, um, anything that you need to make you successful. And their job is to incubate you in that emerging brand arena and then um, accelerate you into the full exposure to the CA Fortune brokerage side while still maintaining build as your sales team. And so once I met with them, I knew this was the this was what we wanted. And so now we've got seven sales reps throughout the U.S. under build with operations team and sales management team. And they really look at looked at Mamie's um, 
figured out because we were retail ready by that point because we've been selling through e-commerce. Um, right. So in terms of our packaging and and customers and all that. So it was a shorter amount of time that we had to be in that incubate. But it, it was so important for us to be in that because this team had a plan. They weren't going to put us in 3000 stores overnight. Oh, no, that's the goal. Yeah. You know, the goal right. is to find retailers that is the right fit for you in order to have success in and build on that success. And you want to, you know, be very strategic, open, you know, get that grocer that can open a DC and then fill in from there and not spread yourself too thin and really manage your trade spend and understand it. And I'm still learning. We just launched into grocery in October. Right. So I'm still learning all about the trade spend oh, and yes. what that entails. <laughs> and I'm able to defer to them. What do you recommend? And they know that that not only their guidance, but feedback from, from me and my team is, you know, we want to do this smart. And I think building that foundation in, in e-commerce showed me how important a strong foundation is and that and that way i can apply that to our our grocery retail launch i I think here it's part of um you know we talk about the food business and and the food business is also a logistics business and you know tradition um you had regional grocers you had regional brokers you had regional distributors everything was kind of based around and you had a lot of product you know differentiation between the coasts and everything else but as you're building a brand, particularly something that's maybe a little more upscale or whatever, is, you know, yes, you, you need to be well-established in your hometown and your region, but then you kind of have these choices to make, which is, well, do I go, if I'm in Northern California, do I go full bore against everybody in Southern California, or do mm-hmm. I really pick amongst other metropolitan areas the type of retailer that I know is going to be pos- more successful for my brand? And that really, right. Right? And, but then that means you have to find somebody with either national coverage or somebody who's willing to say, okay, we know that, you know, you really need to go to New Seasons and you need to go to Wegmans and you need to go, but you really don't necessarily need to go to these three other stores in this particular geographic area because, or, or until later, because that's mm-hmm. not where you're going to get your traction. Exactly. And, and I didn't, I didn't fully see that vision until it was laid out in front of me. I knew that I needed to see something. I wasn't sure what it what it looked like because I wasn't not you know I'm not a, I wasn't in the retail grocery um, industry yeah. at that point, and I really needed to see it. And that's what Bill does. Um, so I love that, and I love that um, they truly are my sales team. I make a phone call to them or an email or a text that day or the very next morning. I get a response, yeah. and it's. And I meet with them, you know, once a month and we talk about the whole download of what's happened. I've been on the road with all seven reps. I fly around the country, um, make, you know, set up meetings for me with buyers. And what's so great is now my meetings are I fly in, um, you know, meet with the buyer. I've got my build uh, rep with me and then I've got my CA fortune rep with me. So I'm able to present to the buyer this really cool product. They're tasting it. I'm talking about it. Um, you know, our traction, how we're selling, what we're selling and how I want to, you know, really think outside the box for marketing because we're on the freezer aisle and the dessert door and you really have to be creative 
to drive people there. And then I've got my build team and my CA Fortune team that we, they talk the promotional calendar and what DCs we're going to pull from and, and all of that and the details, um, which frees up the entrepreneur to go out and do what she does best, which is to sell her product. So it's right. it's pretty amazing um, team that we've put together. What what Kara, you looking back? What was the biggest challenge you had in 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 making this successful and growing it? Oh, biggest challenge. Let's see. You know, I mean, co-packer, putting your team together, um, all of those I, elements. I that- think the. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge was probably um, really understanding retail, what I just talked about. And um, that inflection point of which every CPG product, you know, you're you're at this point, you want to be on the grocery shelf. And how do you do it right? And how do you do it smart? And you can waste a lot of time. I mean, it's not necessarily wasting time because you're always learning, but you can spin your wheels. Um, just kind of uh, picking, you know, a broker here or a broker there. I think it's so much more important to have this cohesive plan and follow that plan and not get, um, you know, tempted by the shiny squirrel of, (laughs) uh, you know, a quick hit and, you know, and, and it's really not good for your business. You don't want that quick hit so much. You really want to lay a foundation in whatever you're doing. Um, and, and, and with obviously we don't want to get anything proprietary at all, but sort of what's next down the road? What are, what are you looking at doing? I mean, is it more more flavors probably, obviously, but anything beyond that you can talk about? Well, you know what? With the success of the Pocket Pies, um, they can translate to breakfast Pocket Pies and dinner. And so, you know, growing up, my mother made a pretty mean chicken pot pie (laughs) and beef stew and just, you know, and just imagining those, um, the dinner and it would be like a a large square. I would probably do a square and have that, that homemade dinner available. And what about breakfast? What about, you know, egg with that crust? you know, surrounding it. Sure. So I, I, I see line extensions and I always have visions, you know, a vision of what I want to do. And I, I, I always, you know, really visualize my end goal, but I also know the path there. You just never know how that's going to work. Um, so you have to be open to that. Um, but I, I see, I see an extension of Mamie's desserts and I, I won't go there until we have a really strong distribution set up, I've got laid the groundwork. Right. Um, we're having success in these chains that we're currently in and will be in this year. You know, and, and then because you really have to you can't just blow it all right out of the gate. You you really have to have your plan X number of years out how this is going to look, how it's going to roll out. Right. What you're going in, in how you're going to approach it. I, I think that's a great, great idea, though. I, I spent a couple of years working in the U.K., and meat pies that, that you know guys would take with them in the morning to eat at lunch yes. were common, absolutely common, and um, you know, and, and they were good too. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great, yeah, great I, opportunity. I think, I think it would be a very um, uh, an easy transition, you know, for us to add something like that in. But it's it's definitely not on on the agenda in the near future. Yeah, um, and, and and it's kind of fun. So, uh, 
real quick on, I, I know you've also been involved in, in doing some fundraising recently. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, we're actually raising um, capital through an equity crowdfund. Right. And we're working with uh, Start Engine to do that. We just launched that about a week ago. So that's really exciting. And, you know, we're, we're doing that. Uh, I, I, I really love the fact that we can have um, customers own a part of Mamie's Pies. You know, it really makes me feel feel good to do that. And customers are, are doing it. Uh, which is so exciting, and then uh, also you know larger investors. So and in launching into into grocery, I think as we all know, is an expensive undertaking. Right. And I think the the marketing that you need um, behind that, and then just expanding uh, Mamie's in terms of operations. So um, raising raising capital right now is uh, is an important piece of our puzzle. And uh, it and, and you chose equity crowdfunding as opposed to some other type and and that's that's really cool that people get get a chance to be a part of that so yeah i love that and then you know with every with every investment level we offer pie perks which is great we're sending (laughs) out you know a 12 pack of pies and then depending on the level you might get a subscription to um, pies or i fly to your home and have dinner and bring pies (laughs) (laughs) okay i I like that that's i haven't heard one of those before so that (laughs) That's a real plus out there, folks. Look for that. We'll also yeah. in the in the mailing. I'll make sure that we we put the uh, uh, address in there too, so people can uh, people can find it and uh, and participate. Oh, It'd be great. Um, so, uh, Kara, one of the things on on you know going forward and building this out is you did take a little bit of a different direction than a lot of people uh, in going forward. Although interestingly enough, I think there are many more entrepreneurs now who are seeing an e-commerce. Um, you know, an e-commerce solution to a problem. And that problem is I don't have the money or the knowledge to go full bore against retail, but I can go over here and I can test the validity of my product. I can go through all these other things. So I think that's a, a great, you know, a great thing for, for moving forward. Um, but one of the things we try to do is we, we always try to nail down our, our guests to, since our audience is fellow entrepreneurs, to you know, talk about one topic or one phrase or word even um, that you think really other entrepreneurs need to know going forward? You know, the, I, I, the one word that I can't stress enough, enough is relationships. The, every, oh, yeah. I think every industry, anything that you're doing, it truly is about relationships whether it's relationship with your co-packer, that's got to be a good relationship, whether it's your sales team, your brokers, your your fellow entrepreneurs, relationships there, because they, they not only help drive your business, but they get you through the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur. And um, you never know when that relationship that you built along the way um, is going to, you know, affect you or come, come back into your, into your world. And I think it's like everybody really knows it's it's really about the journey and right. journeys are building relationships and so I, I would stress that your relationship with your customer I mean you can apply it to everything and I think that's that's probably one of the most important things know your customer have a relationship with them go direct to them get the e-com get your product out there through e-commerce and I'll tell you when you go into grocery and you're able to say to a buyer um, that you know, in our example, that we've 
sold a million dollars worth of, of Mamie's pies in the past year um, through e-commerce alone, that means a lot to a buyer. You, you know, should. that tells that buyer that, wow, that customer that's buying it online is that same customer that's in my store. And when they see that product in my store, they're going to buy it because they're going to be in my store. So it's um, it really is relationships. Bottom Absol- line. Absolutely. And it's um, it, it's a large industry we, we work in, but it's a pretty small circle over time. You, you run yes. into a lot of the same people. And uh, in, in my case, people I've worked with where they've been at different companies uh, throughout the years. And, and again, yeah, just uh, great to maintain those relationships. And I, I think we're also pretty much a fun group. I, I think food and beverage people tend to be a little bit, you know, a little bit more fun than the average industry people. I don't know why. But... Oh, I completely agree. I mean, trade shows for me, doing fancy food show, and I live here in San Francisco. But I get so excited because I see these buyers that – that were selling Mamie's pies, you know, four years ago yep. um, in their, in their stores. And it's like, a, it's, it's kind of like a homecoming. It's hugs. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It, it re- really, really is. Great. A lot of fun. Well, Hey, I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And I hope everybody's going to, you know, either you can get to QVC or you can go on Amazon, um, uh, Stonewall Kitchens, whatever, and, and try out your favorite uh, Amy's uh, or, or excuse me, of uh, Mamie's pocket pies. So we'll get we'll get that for sure. Um, so again, thanks, Kara. Really appreciate it, and thanks to all the rest of you for being with us on the podcast today. This podcast is brought to you by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of next level brands and providers of courses, workshops, webinars, group, and one on one coaching for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more, check out the details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen the number two shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear. And we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.